uh, chapter 15, verses 11 to 24. If you don't have a Bible, it is in your bulletin and it will be on the screen so everyone can follow along. Okay, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Um, I'm just going to quickly pray for us before we hear from Pastor Iggy. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for loving us like a father loves his wayward prodigal son. Thank you for sending your son down to die for us so that we can have a relationship with you. And thank you that he rose again. Help us to be receptive to your word and to grasp the depth of your love for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sunday, uh, especially if it's your first time with us today, it's fantastic that you can come join us at CPE Church. My name is Pastor Iggy. Uh, it's great that we can gather to remember and celebrate uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And today we'll be looking at why that is so important for us, why that changes our lives and why this is a message that we all need to hear. So welcome. Thanks for coming today. Now, I'm not sure if you know this, but in August 2013, the Oxford Dictionary added a few more words into their dictionary to reflect sort of um, the popular culture, what's going on around us. Some of the words they added into the dictionary were words like selfie and twerk. If you don't know what they mean, don't worry too much about them. But there is one word that I want to talk about today that they did add in, and that word is FOMO. FOMO. Now, FOMO is an acronym. It means fear of missing out. And if you don't know what this term FOMO means, then here's the official Oxford Dic Dictionary definition. I'll put it up on the screen. FOMO, noun. Anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere, often aroused by posts seen on social media. FOMO, that fear of missing out. Missing out on something good, missing out on something else that's going on elsewhere. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all live with a little bit of FOMO, don't we? We all live with this sense of missing out. 
Because when you think about it, who, who wants to live a life where they miss out on good things? Who wants to live a life where they don't experience everything that they can? Who wants to get to the end of their life and say, I've got lots of regrets. I wish I'd done those things. Of course not. That's not how we want to live, is it? We, we live our lives seeking to live life to the full. We don't want to get to the end of our life and think to ourselves, we've wasted our life. Who, who wants to live like that? We want to live life to the full. As full as we possibly can. But here's the question. How do we do that? How do we live life to the full? I wonder what your discussions with each other uh, brought about when you asked that question. How do we live life to the full? Well, today, we're going to look at a passage from the Bible. We're going to look at a story that Jesus Christ actually told about a man who sought to live his life to the full. And we're going to see what that teaches us about living our lives to the full. And we're going to do that through three points. So the first point is we seek the full life. The second point is we find the empty life. And number um, the point three is we can have real life. Our first point, we seek the full life. As we begin the story, as we look into this story that Jesus Christ told uh, the people that were listening to him, we see a story of a young man, a son, seeking the full life. Luke 15, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, we see a story of a young son who goes to his father and says to his father, Dad, I want my inheritance early. A shameful thing for a son to ask his father because essentially it's telling his father, I wish you were dead. I need my money. I want my money right now. For some reason, we don't know why the, the father agrees. He gives the money to the son, his share of the inheritance. And let me tell you something. He, he takes this money and he's not taking this money because he has a great need. He's not taking it because he needs to put food on the table or he's trying to get a good education or he, he's not taking this money to be generous to the poor. Did you see what it says there? It says he squandered his wealth in wild living. In wild living. You see, he takes this money and what he's trying to do is actually live life to the full. Right? Live life to the full. And he tries to do that through maximizing his enjoyment. Living life to the full through maximizing his enjoyment. I don't know if uh, you've ever been asked that question, uh, what's your dream job? What would you love to do? What would be your ideal job? When I was younger, people, when people asked me that question, I used to think of a dream job, um, and the dream job I came up with was a travel presenter. A travel presenter. You know that TV show, Getaway? I don't know if you've ever seen that before. Uh, literally, what happens on those shows is that these people, it seems their job is to go on holidays and talk for a little while and get paid for it right? That's their job. And I thought to myself, what an amazing job. That's what I need to do. What a dream job. Going on holidays, talking, and getting paid for it. What a life. That's living life to the full, isn't it? And I'm sure uh, many of you will resonate with that sentiment. That would be a good job, wouldn't it? And that's because we think that life is about enjoyment, right? That living the full life 
is actually about enjoying life as much as we can. At least that's what the young man in the story thought, right? He took the money. He wanted to live a full life. He wanted to live it up. And he does that by seeking enjoyment through dr- getting drunk, parties, prostitutes. We see all this thing, all these later on in the story. That's what he does. That's what he spends all his money on. Because he's seeking the full life through enjoyment. Maximizing his enjoyment. And whilst we might not consider ourselves as reckless as this young man in the story, we might not think to ourselves that, you know, we're, we're not as crazy as that. We don't, we're not going to waste our money like that. We're not going to prostitutes and parties like that. If we're honest with ourselves, if we look into our hearts, our desires aren't that far off, are they? Because we are all, in one sense, seeking to live the full life through enjoyment. Through enjoyment. We, we want to live life to the full and we think that will come by living and enjoying and experiencing this life as much as we can. Because when you think to yourselves, uh, why do we live the way we do? You know, we, we party and we get drunk. Why? Because it's fun. Right? We engage in casual sex, pornography, those sorts of things because it feels good. We plan our lives living for our next big overseas holidays. That's our goal that we're working towards because experiencing this world and as much of the world as we can is our goal. That's what living life is all about. And we work and work and work. And we try to climb that ladder. We try to keep bringing money in because we want that nice new car. We want that nice new house. We want those clothes because having nice things and enjoying them, well, that's what life is about. That will make me fulfilled. That's what we say to ourselves. And when we engage in all of these things, right? When we're, when we're just uh, enjoying and spending and partying up and experiencing life, then we think to ourselves, we're living life to the full. And we, we actually feel alive, don't we? We feel like, yes, this is it. We're living. This is it. We're living it up. We've made it. We feel alive. And as we look at people around us, this is our marker for how we think people are going in their lives as well, whether they're successful or not, whether um, they're living it up. Uh, When you see uh, pictures of your friends on social media and they're, you know, they're at some, not, you know, a new club or they're partying on a beach somewhere or they're skiing in Japan or they're having this 10, I don't know, is 10 courses enough or a bigger station? I've never been, but, you know, all those nice things on social media or, or maybe they're posting up posts about their new, their new house and how amazing it is. And you look at those social media posts and you think to yourself, wow, these people are living it up. That's what I wish I had. That's living life to the full. Well, let me ask you something. As we seek to live life to the full, as we seek to maximize our enjoyment, as we pursue that goal, Will that actually satisfy us? Will that satisfy? We're at our second point. We find the empty life. We see the young man in our story as we come back to the story that Jesus told. This young man, um, he's seeking the full life, but what he actually finds is an empty life. Verse 4, 14 says this. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. 
He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. You see, what happens with this young man is he goes out, he blows all of his cash, he doesn't have any food, he's so desperate that he starts working as uh, someone who's feeding the pigs. And this man who once sought to fill his life with enjoyment, who once sought to find fulfillment and satisfaction in partying and enjoying things of this world, all he longs for now is for some pig food to fill his stomach. And he doesn't even have that. He sought the full life, but he came up empty. Because the enjoyment that he was seeking, it just didn't last. It doesn't last. Friends, um, there's a show on Netflix which has been pretty popular lately, and I'm not sure if you recognize this lady. You recognize her? Marie Kondo. Uh, she's got a TV show called Tidying Up, right? And it's a great, it's sweeping the country, it's revolutionized the country. People are tidying up more than they've ever done before. They're decluttering, which is fantastic. But one thing that Marie Kondo, uh, one of Part of her method is that she actually asks you to pick up your clothes, pick up your items, and you have to ask yourself this question. Does it spark joy? Right? Does it spark joy? And if it doesn't spark joy, if it doesn't give you the sense of joy and enjoyment, then guess what? You can throw that thing out. You don't need that thing anymore. But you have to say thank you to it first before you throw it away. Now, although Marie Kondo is um, perhaps a little bit eccentric, uh, in her methods. Uh, it, it's a good method to clean up, isn't it? It helps us to get rid of things. But when you think about it, what does it actually tell us about the way we live? What does it actually tell us about our society? I think it points to the fact that our joy, our enjoyment, our satisfaction is so fleeting. It's so temporary. Things that make us happy one day, they don't the next. Things that we find fulfillment in, um, in one week, next week, it's, they don't give us that same sort of satisfaction. Right? That our joy, our enjoyment is so temporary. We seek the full life in finding enjoyment in the things of this world. But we come up empty because we find the empty life because our joy doesn't last. It doesn't last. It just doesn't last. Think about your life. How long do you need to drive your car before you need that upgrade to keep happy? How, how much money do you actually need to bring in before you're finally content with the standard of living that you have? How many relationships do we cycle through seeking satisfaction and fulfillment but we just can't find it? Friends, we can never have a full satisfied, enjoyable life in these things because they don't last. They're so temporary. These things that we have in this world, they're, they're good things, but they were never meant to satisfy us. All right? They were never meant to be the thing that bring us ultimate fulfillment. That was never meant to be the case. But a satisfying, full life, let me tell you, it is available. It is available. From our point three, we can have real life. <clears throat> now, as we come back to the story, when the young man is at his lowest, 
he realizes that real life is available <clears throat> and that's in coming back to his father Luke 15 verse 17 when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired servants have, have food to spare and here I am starving to death I will set out and go back to my father and say to him father I've sinned against heaven and against you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired servants you see this man realizes in the midst of starvation in the midst of dying that life is available and that life is by coming back to his father so he packs up his things and he sets off on the journey home on the long journey home and as he approaches his property uh, the property where he grew up um, his father actually sees him on the horizon coming and perhaps the father's been watching every day wishing and waiting for his son to come back and the father gets up and he runs and he runs and he runs towards this son of his who has been gone for so long who took all his money and blew it but he runs towards his son and before the son has even a chance to say anything to even start apologizing the father he wraps his arms around his son in compassion and in love and he welcomes him back home the first thing he does he doesn't want to hear an explanation he just loves his son he just welcomes his son. He embraces his son. He kisses his son and welcomes him back home. And he calls for celebration. He gets the finest clothes for his son. He gets a ring for his finger. He gets new shoes for his worn and dirty feet. And they have the finest food. They kill the fattened calf only for special occasions, special feasts. And they have a huge celebration because the son has come back. Because... Have a look. Look at what the father says. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. They began to celebrate. This son was, he was dead, but now is alive. He was seeking a full life through enjoying the things of the world. But really, he found real life back in real relationship with his father. I grew up in um, Sydney for... I didn't grow up in Sydney. I lived in Sydney for seven years. Um, I guess that were formative years of my life, growing years, as I was completing my ministry training. And people often ask me a question. They say, they ask me, do you miss Sydney? And I can emphatically say, no, I don't miss Sydney. Sorry, any Sydney sliders who are here. I don't miss the traffic, which was ridiculous, and there was traffic jams at any time of the day. It doesn't matter. They could just hit you at any time. I don't miss the ridiculous parking, which was next to none, anywhere you went, and you had to pay for it all the time. But the thing that I do miss about Sydney is the people. I miss my friends. And I'm sure you can uh, resonate with that sentiment that, you know, the things that really make a place home, the things that are important to us are our relationships. Relationships. Because relationships for us, for humans, are so important. It's so key. When we think about what brings us joy in life, what is it, really? Like real joy. You know, it's, it's in our relationships that we have. When we spend time with our, um, our loved ones, our family, our friends, when we spend good time with them, there's a, there's a happiness that comes from that that you can't get from anything else in this world, right? Relationships are so key for us. 
But the problem with this is that even in our relationships, our earthly relationships, they're, they're flawed and they're temporary. Even these things don't last. Even this joy doesn't last. But there is one relationship available that will last. There is joy available that will last. And that's relationship with God. With God. When you think about it, us as humans, relationship is so important for us because we're, we were made for a relationship, right? Relationship is inherent in who we are as humans. We, we were made to be in relationship, but we were made to be in relationship, yes, with each other, but made in, to be in, in relationship with God first and foremost. He made us to be His people. He made us so we could call Him our God and our Father. That's what He wants for us. We were made to know God and to enjoy Him forever. That's the goal. That's why He made us. And every time we engage in our earthly relations, we find that joy and we find that happiness there. It's just a little tiny taste of the true relationship, the real relationship, that the joy that comes with real relationship with the Father. Our earthly relationships and the joy we get are just a tiny reflection of that true joy that can come, that true satisfaction, that true fulfillment that can come in relationship with our God. Because this is what we were made for. This is where we find the full life. This is where we can be truly alive in relation with our God. Do you remember our original question that we asked at the start of this sermon? How do we live life to the full? How do we live life to the full? We've seen that just like the man in the story, so often we seek to live life to the full through our enjoyment of things on this world. But we've also seen that this just comes up empty. Because although we might feel alive for just a brief moment, it just doesn't last. It doesn't last. And I'm sure you've experienced this in your life. It just doesn't last. As we seek to live a full life through enjoyment, it's just it's empty. It's dead. This world will never satisfy us. But we weren't made to be satisfied by this world. It was real life comes from real relationship with God. Let me say that again. Real life comes from real relationship with God. Let me tell you how you can get that. This Easter Sunday we celebrate the death, (coughs) excuse me, we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus Christ on Good Friday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ three days later. And these events, they transform the world forever. Why do we stop to celebrate? Why do we as a church, why do Christians around the world just celebrate this day so much? Because it changes everything. It changes everything. Before Jesus was in the picture, let me tell you something. We had no hope of real life. No hope of real life. Because we had no hope of real relationship with God. Instead, we were living, humanity was just living in rejection of God. You know what that is? That's telling God, we don't want a relationship with you. We want you to get out of our life. We, we want to live for ourselves. We want to pursue our own desires. We want to pursue enjoyment and fulfillment on our own terms, not yours, God. And God cuts us off from Him. It's what we wanted, after all, isn't it? But when we're cut off from God, when we don't have relationship with God, when we're cut off from the life giver, we can't have life. So while we feel alive, while we live 
life, pursuing fullness. Really, we're living dead lives. We don't have life. We're coming up empty. But when Jesus Christ raises from the grave, he says something. He, he's declaring something big, and it's this. That death is defeated. Death is defeated. And life can be ours. Real life can be ours. John 14, verse 6 says this. This is Jesus speaking. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in these words of Jesus, we see why the events of the cross, why the events of the resurrection are so significant. Because through the cross and through the resurrection, Jesus opens up a way back to the Father. Uh, he, he opens up a way for us to be reconciled back into our most important relationship, the relationship that gives real life. Through His death, He pays the price for our rejection and our sin against God. And through His resurrection, He declares, that's enough. All you need to do is trust in me and I can bring you back to the Father. Real life is found through real relationship with God and the only way we can come through that is through Jesus Christ, the one who's paid it, paid for everything, the one who's paved the way. If we come back to Him and trust in Him, we can have a life that's real, a joy that lasts, eternal life in real relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's what the cross does. That's what the resurrection declares. Real life, real relationship. Real life comes from real relationship with God. Real relationship with God. Let me tell you, God wants that relationship with you. As you've read that story before, I don't know if you um, noticed the behavior of the father and how he welcomes back his son. It's a bit odd for us to think of that. Would, is that the way you would welcome your unappreciative child who essentially told you he wanted you dead because he wanted some money to go party? Is that the way you'd welcome them back? Well, that's the sort of welcome that God gives us. God is waiting to welcome each and every one of us back. Right? And he, He's not waiting for us to prove ourselves. He's not waiting for us to get good enough to come back to Him. He's not waiting for us to earn enough brownie points, to score enough points on the morality exam to come back to Him. He's waiting for us to come back to Him right now. He doesn't need you to prove yourself to Him. He accepts you just as you are because He's waiting with love and compassion, with open arms to embrace you back in. He wants to bring you back into the family. That's the welcome that's on offer. That's the love that our God and our Father gives us, each and every one of us. That's what we all need. And He celebrates. Celebrates every single one of us that returns to Him. Let me tell you something. Life with God, real life with God, real relation with God. Some of you here, you're, you're not Christians. You're just uh, checking things out. We're so glad that you're here today. But real life with God means FOMO. No more FOMO ever again. Not saying you won't struggle with desiring things of this world and um, being tempted by things of this world, but that deep satisfaction that you seek, that, that fullness that you seek, you don't, you don't have to keep looking anymore. Because eternal joy, eternal relationship, real joy, real relationship comes with God. That secure hope that um, we have a heavenly hope for the future. Perfect joy. No more brokenness in this world. Real relationship. That's all on offer. 
And that means that you can look at this world and there's heaps of things that come your way, things that will offer satisfaction, that will tempt you with enjoyment and fullness of life. But and these things will come and go, but you can watch them go. You can see them go and you don't have to worry because you have the best thing, real life in real relationship with God. And it's the best thing because it lasts. It lasts, and it will satisfy your deepest longings of your heart. This is what we were made for, friends. Relationship. Relationship with our God. We can miss out on the things of this world with no fear if we have true relationship with our God. And I'd love for you to know that. My friends, we're going to hear from someone else now, not me. We're going to hear a testimony from one of our church family. Um, in a video that will be coming up on the screen. And we're going to hear about how her real life, her real relationship with God has changed the way she lives.